Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com, and I am Daniel Gumby Vreeland. Me and my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonti, have another amazing show lined up for you guys this week. We are all in on UFC Nashville. We'll be talking about our three favorite fights from this week's card. Plus, we'll be doing interviews with three different fighters who are on the card this weekend. I'm talking with Bobby Moffitt, Randa Marcos, and Steven Peterson. Plus, we'll react to all the news this week, which is big news. We got Jorge Masvidal with a killer knockout and ESPN Plus going all in on the UFC. So we'll talk about what that means for you as viewers. Plus, we'll talk about where Masvidal goes next. All that, and we're going to do another one of our combat countdowns. Our combat countdown this week in honor of heading to Nashville, which is a music-inclined city. We're going to be talking about the most iconic walkout songs in MMA history. That's right, we're going to break it down to just five iconic walkout songs. But before we get to any of those interviews, that breakdown, the combat countdown, or the news... We have to remind you that this episode is brought to you by ADK Fightwear. Go to ADKFightwear.com for gear that is not only cheap, but also super high quality. Because, you know, we've all bought that rash guard that only costs 20 bucks online, probably from, like, the Philippines or something like that. And it pills and the, it tears in just a couple of washes. Plus, it's all faded and weird looking. And then we've gone the other way where we've gotten a rash guard for, like, 85 bucks, And, yeah, it holds up, but we spent 85 bucks on it. What if I could tell you that you could get that $20 rash guard and that $85 quality. And that's what ADK Fightwear is all about. If you go to their site right now, adkfightwear.com, you can get their arm bars and stripes rash guard for just 20 bucks when you use our promo code TURTLE. That's T-U-R-T-L-E. They've got that and all kinds of other great gear. So check them out, adkfightwear.com. ADK Fightwear brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com, and today we have the pleasure of speaking to the Wolfman, Bobby Moffitt, who fights Bryce Mitchell at UFC Nashville uh, this weekend on ESPN+. Plus. So, Bobby, we're going to get right into it. Uh, you have three Darius chokes in a row. Usually I save the prediction for the end, but let's be honest. Are we going to get another one? Are you predicting four straight Darius chokes? You know, uh, I, I, I was actually looking up how it, what it's called when you get four in a row. Cause three in a row is turkey, so I guess someone coined it. I guess it's called a ham bone. So <laughs> I'm trying to get I'm trying to get a ham bone. I'm trying to go four darts in a row right now. Ham bone. That, that that's sounds, that, that sounds like it could be a pretty good nickname, Bobby the Ham Bone Moffat. Or are we sticking <laughs> the, with Wolfman? The Ham Bone. <laughs> No, we'll stick to Wolfman. We'll stick to Wolfman. <laughs> all, right, all, right, all right, fair enough. So let's, let's, let's talk about the guy who we're going for uh, the hand bone against. That's Bryce Mitchell. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, he's an Arkansas kid, so probably, you know, you know, with all due respect, he's in Nashville. He's probably going to have the crowd on his side. Have you ever thought about fighting yeah. in sort of hostile territory? How do you feel about fighting in with hostile fans? Um, a lot, a lot of my fights have, have, I feel like have been in hostiles, you know, territory. I feel like a lot of people I've fought, a lot of the crowd has been, uh, been on their side, you know, so, so I'm cool with that. I'm totally cool with that. I know that, uh, I know he's fought in Tennessee quite a few times, so 
I don't want to keep. I don't want. I don't want this fight to be a decision. You know, I don't trust. You, you, with with a lot of the decisions I've been seeing lately, I can't trust any judges. You know, so so I'm going out there to finish him. Are, are there any decisions in recent memory that that you particularly made you feel uncomfortable as a fighter? Um, I mean, not totally uncomfortable, but I mean, I thought, um, like let's just I I watched the fights this last weekend. I thought. Ben Rothwell won his fight, mm-hmm. so, and that decision went unanimous to the other dude. So I was kind of like, I had no, I, I had no idea people saw it for the other guy. So, so I really thought he had won two rounds to one, you know. Um, but I mean, that's that's just like a recent fight that happened last weekend where I thought, oh, I really like how these decisions are going, and, and I see a lot of the guys from the MMA lab they get the decision. And, you know, obviously I'm rooting for them. So then if they lose a decision, I'm like, uh, I don't trust judges. <laughs> so, uh, so I just want to keep finishing people. That's, I, I'm not a big decision guide. I don't like that. I don't like going three rounds and, uh, and waiting on somebody's opinion of how the fight went, you know. So yeah. I'd rather just choke somebody out. <laughs> and you mentioned in there, too, uh, that, you know, some of your the fighters on your team – have had kind of some rough decisions go their way. Are, are you referring to UFC Phoenix? Because I know a couple of your teammates got kind of uh, sort of the hard luck side of things there as well. Yeah, I, I really for sure thought Courtney's fight, I thought she won the fight. I mean, obviously I'm I'm biased, you know, so people could be like, oh, no, there's no way. But but um, I thought for sure Courtney won that fight. And, and I mean, the other decisions – the other decision on the card for our team was hot sauce and and like like I thought it like the, that dude technically won maybe the point side of it but the fight the actual fighting part of of the fight I thought hot sauce won he did more damage he looked like he he had hurt him more his face was all beat up I thought hot sauce did a really good job at at winning the fighting part of or part of MMA but the point scale I guess. You know, the, you give it to Nick Lenton. And it was a good strategy on that dude's part. But honestly, I just didn't, you know, obviously, you got a friend and they're fighting, teammate, and you're like, oh, well, he won. You know, he beat the hell out of that dude. So so uh, he deserves this decision. And then the decision goes the other way. And you're just kind of like, I don't trust these judges anymore. So yeah, well, I'm going to stick to finishing people. Yeah, well, that's certainly fair. Now, your opponent, too, back to Bryce Mitchell here for a bit. He's one for finishing people, too. Eight of his ten wins are by submission. Are you excited to go to the ground with him? Because I assume he's thinking that this fight's going to the ground, too. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing he wants to go to the ground, too. You know, everybody thinks they've got that secret sauce, you know, on the ground sometimes. And, and they could just uh, outwork somebody technically. And, and I, I'm looking forward to that part, honestly. I'm really looking forward to the scrambles that we're going to get into because I think that's what he's really good at. You know, he's kind of, I, I don't want to say wiry because him and I are pretty much the same size, but he doesn't have the same build as, as I do. Like our strength scale is a little bit different. I'm more muscular than he is. And he's more of kind of like a, a, a scrambler, grappler kind of person. And uh, that's going to be fun for me to to roll with, you know. I, I like that kind of matchup. I like somebody who's, who's trying to choke me or break my arm or something, because then it gives me something to defend. And defending submissions and is really, like, my favorite part of jiu-jitsu. 
Um, that was the thing that I was originally good at, not choking people. I was good at defending submissions and, and being in a tough situation and working myself out of it. And then the person gets tired and I just take advantage of it because I'm not going to get tired of the fight. I don't get tired. So that's the plan. I like, uh, I like rolling and, and uh, getting a little funky in there. So I'm looking forward to that part. Well, that's certainly interesting, too. I, I like your take there. So you expect, just you know, to clarify here a second, you, you expect to be on top for most of this. You don't expect to see him tempted to take you down or, or wind it up on top in any situation? Uh, no, I know he's going to try and take me down. I think I'm a better wrestler than he is, and I think physically I'm stronger than he is, and I have better endurance. I know he's, um, I know he's got really good heart, so I know he's not going to give up certain positions like maybe maybe he he knows he's just going to keep fighting a position and know he's got a strong will so so his style is similar to me but i think i have better endurance well I, i'm pretty positive i know i have better endurance than him and i'm physically stronger than he is and then on top of that the jiu-jitsu skills he might be a little bit better at maybe attacking various different submissions obviously people really only think that i know how to do a dart but Besides that, jiu-jitsu is about not getting submitted. Jiu-jitsu is about being able to defend these situations and defend a submission properly and then get out and get on top and finish the person. That's what I'm good at. That's That was the thing that I've always been good at, is fighting out of these positions, being hard-headed. I have a strong will, strong heart, and I endurance and all that. So I feel like... I'm going to get on top in this fight, hit him. He might throw up some submissions. I'm going to get by them. If he catches me in one, I'm going to get out of it. And then then it's going to go all downhill from there. But that's how the fight's going to go. So well, I'm so, looking forward to it. So, so you predicted wearing him out, and you predicted the hand bone for the the finish here. Now, uh, <laughs> how, how long is it going to take him to, to get out? So let, let's end this prediction here with uh, how you expect or how early you expect to be able to get him out of there. Uh, well, like I said, he's got a really strong will. Um, he's a tough dude, and, he, and uh, he's not going to want to give up, you know. So, first round, I'm not expecting to finish him with a submission. If I finish him in the first round, that's because I catch him, catch him with a hard shot or something, and he gets rocked, and I'm able to take advantage of it. But if that doesn't happen, then the first round's going to just be a hard fought back and forth similar like but I'm going to keep the pressure on him I'm not going to give up I'm not going to give an inch and then he's going to feel that second round he's going to come out he's going to be a little more tired than I am and then I'm going to do the same thing maybe he's going to come out with a little burst of energy uh you know because sometimes after a round somebody gets beat up a little bit then they're like oh, okay I'm gonna go out there and they come they come out a little bit harder mm-hmm. than you would then they came out the first round so I'm expecting maybe that and then I'm going to weather whatever storm he's going to try and bring on me in the first round, and then his energy is going to tumble. Like it's, he's then then my, my will and energy is going to take over the the second round. So probably after the first minute in the second round, I'm guessing we're going to be on the ground. I'm going to be on top of him, uh, pummeling, beating, and then eventually he's going to give me a choke because. He's not going to want to get hit anymore. So that's how I see the fight going. First round's tough. 
back around a little bit tough in the beginning, but then he starts to wither, and then I start to take advantage of of the cardio difference and the the pressure and the the different strategy that that him and I have. So, so I think it's going to be second round hand bone, and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited. And we're certainly excited, too. Once again, this was Bobby Moffitt, who fights Bryce Mitchell at UFC Nashville this weekend on ESPN+. Once again, Bobby, thank you so much for the time. We really appreciate it. This is Daniel Gumby, Freeland with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com, and today I have the pleasure of speaking to Random Marcos, who fights Angela Hill at UFC Nashville this weekend on ESPN+. Randa, you know, we've talked about this before. You've had some tough luck recently with decisions, uh, a split decision that didn't go your way against Alexa Grasso, a close one with Nina Ansaroff, who's now sniffing at a title shot, and, and now this majority draw with Marina Rodriguez. When you were about to get that decision read, what were you expecting as you walked to the center of the cage? Um, I don't, like, I don't know, like... I felt that I won that fight. I felt 100% I won that fight, but then I, at the same time, I was like, I left it to the hands of the judges, so I can't really, like, expect anything. So I was just thinking, all right, either I won or I lost. You know, like, you, you can do what you can, but then it's not when it, it's not in your hands, you know, what can you do? But then when they called out a draw, I was just like, what? Like, I I did not expect that at all. Um, I was not prepared for that at all, and... and you know, I don't know. Even she said after in her post-fight interview, she said that she thought she lost that fight and she was happy with the decision. So, uh, I don't know. It, it sucks, but it is what it is. Yeah, and, and, and you're sort of hitting the nail on the head there with how uh, how draws work. Is is There's really no winner. You're, you're thinking what you could you have done afterwards to, to change that. How are you dealing mentally with the draw? I mean, there's no real momentum to build on, but also it's it's not too much of a setback. Yeah, to be honest, I took it in a in a positive way. <clears throat> I've been on a win lose streak for a long time, and it was my opportunity to you know to change that or, or with with a draw just kind of throws a wrench in this entire thing of nonstop win losses forever since I got in the UFC. You know, so I just took it as a positive. This it's time to start over. You know, and uh, time to get on a winning streak. Absolutely. And and I do want to mention one more thing about that fight, too. I, I heard recently that you had some injuries going into that fight. Can you elaborate a little bit on what those injuries might have been and, and whether or not they, they hindered you, you know, or how much they hindered you in the fight? Yeah, so um, before my fight with uh, – uh, be, before the fight uh, – a few fights ago, I got I got a horrible injury. I got my knee knee kneecap completely torn off, uh, my um, MCL – almost fully torn and I had four fights in my four four weeks to my fight and I trained and I sucked it up and I went through with it and I ended up with a, with a win and then right after that they booked me to fight with Nina and then and, and these are all kickers right so Nina was destroying that leg wasn't healed yet and they offered me the fight in Brazil and I was like you know first of all like my, my I'm not even healed I wasn't even cleared uh to fight for that for that uh, clear to fight and uh, I told them that and they said well you know you either take it or you're out and they're like what do, you, what do you mean you know like there's girls in there who have like three losses in a row and you give them another chance and you know I've never had two losses straight and it was just like really really frustrating so I was like all right well I'll get cleared and I'll fight 
and they gave me the opportunity to fight and I just took it and was like whatever I'm gonna train my butt off for as much as I can and, and do as much physio as I can for this fight and I went in there and, and did my best with shitty circumstances but whatever I, I don't take it back yeah and and that, that's interesting that they, they were that seemingly close to letting you go for declining a fight with like you said you know win losses you beat Carla Esparza you know like a bunch of you know really high profile wins on top of that um are, are you now worried that that that's going to be a situation moving forward that they're going to cut you if you turn down a fight or if you lose or or are you pretty you know comfortable again now that you're you know coming off of a draw that you see as a win um, I'm not worried. I'm just, I, I just realize where we stand. Like we don't really have those decisions to make, you know, if they come to you with a fight, you either take it or, you know, you got to suffer the consequences, I guess. So that's the only thing that, that uh, I see from this is like, I don't really have a choice when they come to me with a, with a fight and I never turn down fights. I have the second most fights in the strawweight division, mm-hmm. if not the first most fights. I think I'm second to um, Joanna Jajajchuk. So, you know, like I don't turn down fights unless, you know, something serious. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess they don't see that. So it doesn't matter. I guess I, I don't I don't have a decision, basically. And whatever that comes your way, you take it and you train. And, you know, like, that's that's where I stand. I don't I don't feel like losing this fight or, or you know, win or lose this fight. I'm not going to I'm not jeopardizing my spot in the UFC. I feel like uh, they know that. I'm one of the best and all my losses have been like so, so close. So I'm not worried. Yeah. And, and you did take this fight with Angela Hill. Now I do have to ask the obligatory question here. How's the knee feeling leading up to this one? Did it have the time to heal that you needed? Yes. Yes. I feel a hundred percent. I've been, I've been since that fight, I've been working on it and I've been running a lot. And like, I feel like, I feel like it's stronger than before the injury. So I'm not worried about my knee or anything like that. Um, but I was offered the fight with uh, Mackenzie Dern right before they gave me um, they gave me Angela, which is pretty crazy because uh, she was posting that she was ready for Nashville or like prepare, preparing to come back in Nashville. And now she's like, looks like she's like, I don't know, seven months pregnant to me. <laughs> <laughs> she's huge. But good for her. Uh, you know, it's pretty cool that she can step back and have a child and probably come back later on. Yeah, that that what that is surprising that she was seemingly ready for this fight, and now it seems like uh, she's pretty close to having a, a kid. Is is that a fight you want in the future too? If she were to come back, yeah, of course she's a she's a big name. I wouldn't turn it down. Definitely not turn it down. Um, but yeah, she's a big name. I I was pretty excited for it, but then they came to me and said, oh, she's got to have to, she's gonna have to back out, and then they gave me Angela Hill. So uh, doesn't matter to me who who I'm fighting, but that would have been a cool fight to have. Yeah, and Angela Hill is a cool fight too because you know it's it's another fighter who you shared the Ultimate Fighter house with, um, and, and she's a tough out. What were sort of your feelings on her training? You know, in the same facility as her, and being in the house with her. Were you you know a fan of Angela Hill? How do you feel about fighting somebody who you were so close to for so long? Um, I didn't really uh, get close with her on the show. I didn't even like really talk to her much. I don't think at all, and it's just. She was very obnoxious from, like, listening to her and, like, uh, you know, the whole thing they had where they did the patty cake song about me and all that stuff was really, really obnoxious and she was a part of it. And so I just kept my distance from her. And then after the show, I kept my distance from a lot of those girls because I knew, like, they're they're pretty childish. But uh, I'm excited to, to fight. I don't care who it is and it, it, and uh, that it's her. Like, I, I know, like, a little bit about her from being in the house with her. I know, like where her mindset's at, like when she was preparing to fight 
uh, Carla Esparza. Uh, I felt like she turned herself, like she didn't give herself a chance. And that that's, that uh, tells me a lot about her mental state, you know, how strong she is mentally. Like she was walking around like saying that, oh, I guess I'll, I'll start drinking right away then, you know, before they even had the fight. So, you know, she wasn't confident in herself and, um, obviously it was a long time ago. So I'm, I'm hoping that she's, she's not that way now, you know, mm-hmm. comes out with her best self and we'll have a good fight. Yeah. And, and she is a, a physically strong opponent too. What, what are you, sort of your thoughts on dealing with her physicality and, and what do you expect from her in the three round fight here? Yeah. Like watching her, her past fights. Um, she's very, very like, she's got a lot of energy. She's constantly moving, constantly moving. She's got uh, great, uh, kickboxing, um, she's very like um, uh, very different, you know, with her hands and her feet. And I'm expecting it to be a, a tough match. And she's very ho- hard to hold down. So those are the few things that I really picked out uh, from watching her fight. Um, she she's very hard to keep down when you take her down, and um, she's constantly coming at you nonstop. So um, we've been preparing for that, and uh, yeah, hopefully it'll be a good fight. And we're certainly looking forward to it, and hopefully not a decision. Uh, Randa Marcos once again fights Angela Hill at UFC on Nashville this weekend on ESPN+. Plus. Randa, thank you so much for the time. We really appreciate it. No problem. And those interviews with Bobby Moffitt and Randa Marcos are brought to you by Maroon Social. M-A-R-U-N-E is the first and only BJJ tracking app. For your phone so that you can check in and check out what your friends are doing training all over the world. That's right. Download the Maroon app. You can head on over to iTunes Store or Google Play or wherever it is you get your apps. Download this app. It fits right on your phone. You set up your profile. You say where you train, what your belt level is and all that. You make your friends. You set that all up. And you can check in on their training sessions wherever it is they're training. Across the state, across the globe. It doesn't matter. Plus, it helps keep you accountable. Because if you're like me, sometimes it's hard to get to the gym during the week. And we want to make sure that we get as much as possible. So this thing shows you how often you've trained every month. Almost shames you into going a little bit more often. Plus, it gives you your totals, what you trained, whether you're training more gi or no gi. It's great. Plus, you can do all kinds of other things on it like competitions and weights. You're going to want to check this thing out. That's M-A-R-U-N-E, Maroon Social. I highly suggest it. So I, of course, am Daniel Gumby-Vreeland, joined here by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonti. Dave, let's start by talking about Bobby Moffitt. Bobby Moffitt is going for his fourth straight Dars joke. Where does that rank on your list of fun facts? And do you think he gets it? OMG, do I love that Bobby Moffitt is a Dars freak. I happen to love the Dars joke myself, near and dear to my heart. Very crazy. There actually hasn't been one this year so far in the UFC, about one quarter into the year. There have been two anacondas, though, but I am fully counting on Bobby Moffat to be the first Dars choke uh, this year and every other time he fights. Hell yeah, do I think he's going to get a Dars choke. Yeah, and I think him fighting a dude who is not afraid to grapple him, because you know Bryce Mitchell is never afraid to grapple anybody, is just going to set up this Darius choke for him, too. Somebody who's reaching for a grappling, somebody who shoots a takedown, that's a terrible idea on this dude. Yeah, you have to figure part of his training leading up to the fight was defending and not putting himself in a situation to get darsed. Yeah, you, you would have to think so, but I, I, I think Moffitt's got this wrapped up. Ah, <laughs> punny, 
All right, let's move to our favorite segment on the show, or at least tied for first as our favorite segment on the show. Fastest fight news. We deliver the news in under 15 minutes or less, or the podcast is free. And there's no better place to start here, Gumby, than with the fact that Jorge Masvidal knocked out Darren Till in the second round of their fight at UFC London. Uh, what'd you make of the performance? And then what'd you make of the post-fight antics, I guess I should say, as he was being interviewed in the backstage area? Um, uh, Leon Edwards talked a little shit and got hit, was hit with a three-piece combo and a soda, as Masvidal said, uh, straight out of pro wrestling, but I loved it all. Yeah, uh, so let's start with the performance in the cage. I could not have been more wrong about that fight. I was all in on Darren Till. I thought that that was going to be an easy win for him. And if you watch the first round, it seemed like I was right. It seemed like Darren Till was going to just walk down Masvidal and hit him with that one-two combo or that straight up the middle. And then I think Masvidal figured it out. Like Masvidal in between rounds just came out and was like, oh, that's what he's going to do the entire fight. That's easy. And then just looked like an absolute man possessed in the next round. And you got to imagine this catapult him up the rankings. And you got to imagine him punching Leon Edwards in the face afterwards catapult him up in the public eye too. Because I know you said this to me off air, but he's kind of like a Diaz brother who's fighting more recently, right? Like the dude is a thug. The dude, you know, used to have backyard brawls for fun. And the dude talks better than just about everybody in the game. So, like, and he's backstage fighting people. So, like, Jorge Masvidal has got a lot of star quality, and I'd love to see him fight somebody like Ben Askren. I would love the Ben Askren fight. I think it makes the most sense, especially because another news tidbit we'll skip ahead to. It looks like Colby Covington is going to get Kamari Usman the champion next, which makes a ton of sense. Mm -hmm. Colby Covington... I still consider the interim champ, or he was the interim champ. I don't even fucking know. But that fight makes a ton of sense, and then I'd love to see Masvidal versus Ben Askren. Here's the thing with Masvidal. Yeah, it was like I was saying to you off air. He's kind of like this decade's Diaz brother, both in attitude and also what he brings to these fights. He's impossible to put away. He is very, very underrated jiu-jitsu defense. Not really jiu-jitsu offense like a Diaz brother, but this is a man who... Damian Maya was on his back and could not finish him. Mm. He's impossible to put away. He also, much like a Tony Ferguson or a Nate Diaz, while he's not a powerful puncher, he has tremendous boxing skills mm. and can combo you up. It might not be one-punch knockout power, but three-piece combo and a soda coming right at your face. I'm so happy for him and that his stock is rising. And it's really one of those underutilized uh, stories because it's shocking to me. The UFC has become pretty good at telling people stories at marketing. This is a guy who was fighting, as you mentioned, Gumby, in the backyards of Miami on YouTube in the early days of YouTube. They always say Kimbo Slice, the first YouTube star. Well, Jorge Masvidal was right there. You can go to YouTube right now, type in Jorge Masvidal backyard brawl or whatever it is, and there are videos of him with a million views in a backyard brawling some huge dude. So I'm shocked it took the UFC this long, but I don't think they will ever sleep on Jorge Masvidal's marketability. And obviously they don't want to bring attention to that, but you know, they did for Kimbo, they can for him. It makes a really interesting story. So I'm happy for him. Yeah. And I, I think too, some of that is because um, I think they, they started doing better towards the, 
beginning of the Fox era, and now that the ESPN era has kicked off, they're doing even better. And, and really, Masvidal has had a little bit of a layoff, so I think that probably has something to do with it. What do you? Um, who? Just, just to hold you accountable, Devil's Advocate. What do you mean? Who's doing better? I think ESPN is doing far better telling people's stories with the, their promo packages in between stuff with, the, you know, they've, they've got some other small like packaging that they put on their social media. And really he has been away from the game for so long before this fight, right? Like he had a, a fairly significant layoff before this fight. So the fact that he hasn't been even remotely around until this fight I think it's some of the reason they haven't told the story. I'm I'm not, you know, completely excusing the UFC's uh, ability to market him. But but I think that probably has some of it to do with it. Perhaps. I think the, the time where they could have capitalized on him, it was a three-fight win streak capped off with a TKO over Donald Cerrone mm-hmm. at the beginning of 2017. And I don't know and that, that, was that on I Fox necessarily... Too, so that, that should have been publicized more, probably. Right, and I don't know that I necessarily felt that sage Northcut marketing push mm-hmm. off of that Cerrone win like I would have expected. He, of course, then lost back-to-back losses to two uh, crazy specialists, Maya uh, split decision loss, and then a unanimous decision loss to Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. So that obviously slowed the momentum, and then, like you said, he wasn't there for 2018. But you bring up some good points. You know who else it's had a guy. big push after beating Donald Cerrone? Darren Ooh. Till. So, like, ah, you're pretty right. much the same fucking story and completely different push, right? One got pushed immediately to a title shot uh, pretty much right afterwards. And the other one, uh, I mean, when have you seen him? So, yeah, you, you make a good point there, too, that kind of refutes my, my point on the Fox ESPN partnership. But, yeah, definitely could have been pushed for. Well, you bring up what I wanted to get to next, which is there is a synergy going on between the UFC and ESPN. It feels like the UFC has finally found its rightful home. I mean, they always felt right on on Spike. Yeah. I don't necessarily know that it ever felt right with Fox. Spike was right for that era, the Randy Couture, Chuck Liddell, introduction to America era. But now that they are sponsored by Reebok, a little more clean, a little more corporate. The ESPN marriage is absolutely perfect, and the big news of the week is that ESPN is now the exclusive home of UFC pay-per-views. So what does that mean? It means that you can only order a UFC pay-per-view through the ESPN Plus app. This is absolutely shocking. Of course, the WWE set this model in a way with the WWE Network, they walked away from traditional cable and satellite uh, and only offered their, what they now call, I guess, network specials, over the top, as they say in the industry, on an app. So the UFC is doing the same thing, housed on ESPN's app, but it's not part of a monthly subscription price. You can just order it a la carte, like any pay-per-view, just like you would on cable, but through the ESPN app. What's amazing about this is that it shows that ESPN loves what this partnership has done for them so far in the two months. They had the 500,000 signups during the Cejudo Dillashaw fight that first weekend of the launch. And, and from UFC's vantage point, what they're thinking, and no one knows the disclosed numbers of what the share is going to be, they had to split 50% of all revenue on pay-per-views with cable and satellite providers. 
I don't think they're doing a 50-50 with ESPN. No. If anything, it might be like 90-10 or 80-20. UFC is going to keep the bulk of this pay-per-view pricing, cut off ESPN for essentially housing it. Uh, it's a great deal for really both sides. What do you make of it? Yeah, I think it's a great deal for both sides because, like you said, even if ESPN takes 10% of pay-per-view revenue, that is revenue that ESPN has never seen as far as those types of things, right? They've never had anything like that. And on top of that, too, the ESPN content already being on ESPN+, Plus, you saw the numbers after Cejudo versus TJ Dillashaw being on ESPN+, Plus. their numbers for their streaming app shot up due to the fact that the UFC was coming to it. So I think instantly they're seeing buy-in on it, um, which is crazy because, like, what was Fox doing that they weren't getting buy-in on it? Because it just seems so wild that Fox was l- willing to let the that UFC walk because they, they weren't impressed enough in what they were getting out of it. And instantly this is like a megastar for ESPN. Yeah, so I think it, it, you bring up a good question there, and I actually had, I had thought about that already, and I think there's two things there. One was the timing of the ESPN app. Mm. So they, it, it was perfectly timed. It was perfectly timed because ESPN, this is ESPN, mind you, actually needed the UFC to help launch the app, mm. right? Because the ratings traditionally, they're nothing to write home about. You're talking about a 1 million rating. I mean, Sunday Night Baseball does about a 1.5, a, a 2 million rating. Mm-hmm. So it's not like what UFC is doing for the actual ESPN channel is anything groundbreaking. But what they did timing-wise while launching ESPN Plus the app, it became a perfect marriage. Same deal for Fox. It's not like the ratings, traditional cable ratings or on Big Fox, were setting records. Had Fox said to themselves, we want to launch the Fox Sports Go app in tandem with the UFC, okay, then there might be more of, you know, this perfect mm-hmm. marriage. So I think it's all really centered around what they brought to the recurring revenue of the app because 500,000 hardcore fight fans signed up for ESPN that first weekend, and ESPN was like, holy shit, we got something here. Yeah, and I, I, so, think, too, the, I think, too, the fact that the app – is, so it doesn't have the library that Fight Pass has, but like you would usually have to wait like 30 days for a fight to appear on Fight Pass. You can watch the replay of last week's fight card right now on, on the ESPN app. It is just immediately available for you. So I think on top of that too, that like if I want to wake up on Sunday morning and watch the, the fights that I missed because I fell asleep, I 100% can do that. So like I, I think the, the fact that it's like live sports right after live sports it is also just so clutch when it comes to fighting, which is technically usually on at like fucking midnight. The other thing to be said, and we're not the first people to bring this up, you have now in the top 10 on sports center and they were doing some clips before, but now that it's, oh, it's there, actual... always fucking on there. <laughs> right. So they're getting that sports center crossover, the casual fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, it's perfect for the UFC. Now we've, S the D of this deal for about 10 minutes. Let me bring up, I want to make one clarification and bring up one devil's advocate bad part of it. So one clarification is you do need to be a subscriber to the app to order the pay-per-views. Now they have some special, like if you do that or pay for the year, you get one pay-per-view free. 
<laughs> I don't know if that would necessarily be like an international fight week, like a major one, or I, I don't know the exacts to that, but there are deals to be had. You do have to be a subscriber to the app to order the pay-per-view, so it's not necessarily a la carte. Here's the devil's advocate to that. Okay, you have the WWE, and Vince McMahon was the first person to walk away. He, he was one of the major pay-per-view providers of content, walked away from that model, offered it for $10 a month to his app. They average about 1.5 million uh, subscribers, so it evens out at the end of the year, even though they're only charging $10 as, as opposed to the traditional 50 or 60 UFC now has the app, Fight Pass for 10, that has a lot of different fight leagues, ESPN for 5, that gets you all the fight nights, and they're still going to offer the pay-per-views for 60 in the place where you can just watch fight nights for five. So here is my years down the road where I foresee a problem with this. Okay. Right now, they pop some pretty nice buy rates. John Jones came back last month against Anthony Smith, who no one knows, got about a 550,000 buy rate, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. I believe the people who are saying, oh, John Jones is fighting. Let me plunk down. For pay-per-view are those more traditional older cable watchers i don't necessarily because i think the people who have the app they skew a little younger they're probably illegally streaming a lot of the pay-per-views i don't know that those same people are going to be the ones to say oh here's 60 dollars espn app you already have my five and I just wonder if housing it all in the same place under the ESPN app, eventually do people say like, man, the UFC wants me to pay $60 for Rose Nama Yunus versus Jessica Andrade. But then next week, I'm getting a free fight of Donald Cerrone versus Ally Aquinta, free quote unquote for my $5 a month subscription. Blending it all together. Do you see where I'm going, Gumby? I, I don't know that I'm necessarily going with it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know that I'm making my point great, but it just seems a little funky to me to do it in the same place and say this card is worth 60 to you, but this other card is essentially free with your subscription. Eventually, if it's not a major pay-per-view, people are going to be like, fuck off. I'm not paying 60 for that. Yeah, so here's the question. Do you think that that cuts their buys in half? Do you think there would be... I do. You think it does. So here's my point, though. D you know, devil's advocate to your devil's advocate if it cuts it roughly in half, they're getting roughly twice the revenue off of it already. So they're right back to they're right back to square one. They're not working with the pay-per-view people. They wind up with the same amount of money in their pocket. Yep, I totally. And where I actually think it could even land is maybe let's just say, and I haven't done the math on this, we're kind of speaking off the cuff. Even if they started to, let's say, lose money, which I don't really think would happen because of the amount of money that ESPN is already paying them. But let's say revenue isn't where it needs to be from their old school traditional pay-per-view model. They could also just cut it down and say, you know what? We're going to load up six big shows a year. Those are going to be 65 bucks. And then the rest just becomes part of the content of your ESPN thing. 
They're still coming out ahead of the game because ESPN's paying them a billion and a half dollars just for the fight night. Yeah, I, I think you're 100% right on that. And and the amount that ESPN, because ESPN just re-upped, they added two years to their deal as part of this too. Uh, I, I think that they're going to come out winners no matter what. It, it's Especially monetarily, if it hurts viewership a tiny bit, they'll be fine. All right, let's move on. Uh, let's go to our other favorite segment on this program. It's the Combat Countdown, and we're talking about the most iconic walkout songs in the history of the UFC and in honor of the UFC being in Music City, Nashville this weekend. So timely, so proud of us. But first, I want to tell you that this Combat Countdown is brought to you by Sisu Mouthguard. Sisu makes the most thinnest, lightweight, and durable mouthguard on the market you can head on over to SISUGuard.com and get yours today if you do a high-impact sport or activity or you're just someone who likes to be extra protective with your chompers. You're going to want to head to SISUGuard.com and get yourself a Sisu. Whenever I go to jiu-jitsu, whenever Gumby goes to jiu-jitsu, we always rock our Sisu mouth guard. You can actually talk with the mouth guard in your mouth. It is a feat of science. You know, I do wish, though, that we had a promo code to offer our fans, Gumby, it's just a shame that we don't. We do have a promo code. You, if you go to SISUGuard.com and use promo code TOPTURTLE15, you can get 15% off all of your mouth guard purchases. That's right. You can't just use it once or twice or three times. You can use it for every purchase you ever have on the site. So SISUGuard.com and get the mouth guard that is right for you. All right. Let's get to our combat countdown. It's the most iconic walkout songs. We will, I want to start this way. Let's start with number five. And of course, we threw this out to our Twitter followers at Top Turtle MMA. Got a ton of feedback. Great feedback. So we took all that feedback, compiled the list, put in our uh, opinions as well. And we hope you like this list. But even if you don't, we appreciate hate feedback too. Hit us up at Top Turtle MMA. Let us know you do. Let's start as always with number five and we'll work from there, Gumby. Number five, Anderson, DMX's No Sunshine. Yeah, so Anderson Silva's No Sunshine, and it's the, the obviously the, the different version of No Sunshine. It's not the OG version. But I, I've always been a sucker for those slow walkout songs, too. Um, and there's not another one on this list. I think Anderson Silva's, of all of the slow walkout songs, is without a doubt the very best one. Because there was always something calming about Anderson Silva. And what you'll find about all of the ones on this list, too, is they're fitting songs, too. You know, like, some other people might have songs that jack you up more. But Anderson Silva's is just so fucking perfect because it's like calm like he is it's slow like he is and it's methodical and it just sort of got you jacked up in a low-key way and he always had it on yeah absolutely and i like what you said about the slow walkout something very uh undertaker wwe entrance yes. about that i love it number four it's ronda it's joan jett it's bad reputation and as I said before, all of the ones on this list are super fitting, right? Because w what was Rhonda's thing? She loved being, like, the bad girl as far as this goes. So she, she was awesome at playing the bad guy, not shaking Misha Tate's hands. Joan Jett playing immediately after that would have been fucking perfect because, right, like, that is what it is. So uh, I always loved Ronda Rousey's. It's a hype song. It got me jacked up to watch her fight. Whether you're a Ronda Rousey fan or not, it's super fitting. We'll move then to number three, because this is pretty fitting as well. It's Donald Cerrone, it's Kid Rock, and it's Cowboy. 
Yeah, and I will say, of all of the times I've been to UFC events in my life, there has been one time where somebody's walkout song is just about to play, and I've gotten goosebumps all over my arms, and it was listening to him come out in Brooklyn recently when he beat Hernandez. So I just love the fitting aspect of it. I mean, he is pretty much like Kid Rock, only he fights, right? Like, that's the, the sort of the, the most fitting part of it, is he's like super relaxed. He probably gets into way too much cave diving and getting into trouble that way. Um, so I just think that that's like one of the most fitting walkout songs of all time. It's literally his nickname. It's perfect. It is perfect. Uh, also perfect, if you're an axe murderer and you're Vanderlei <laughs> Silva... And you come out to Sandstorm. <laughs> yeah. So Darude's Sandstorm by uh, for Vanderlei Silva is just such an iconic one when we think about the history of them. With a lot of the ones that people put on there, I just thought there was so many fucking really good ones over the course of time. And uh, for, for us to have to go back to Pride for one like Vanderlei... I think we needed like a really old school one in order for this list to be complete. And I just think his is absolutely perfect. Well, speaking of absolutely perfect, it's, it's time for number one. And I'm, uh, I guess happy and both sad to report that we had a tie at the top because <laughs> Gumby and I just could not decide what was number one. And neither of us were willing to go down without a fight. So we had to make this a tie. Also, based on amount of feedback, these were running neck and neck. So, tied for number one, the most fitting and perfect and iconic walkout songs. Number one, Uriah Faber, Tupac's California Love, tied with Conor McGregor's Sinead O'Connor, Biggie Mix-Up of Foggy Dew and Notorious. I, of course, wanted Conor. You wanted Uriah, so talk about Uriah first, and then I'll go with Connor. So I will first of all say a very controversial thing, and that is I am not a Uriah Faber fan. I don't personally really enjoy Uriah Faber, but he got those, like, WEC Sacramento crowds so fucking jacked up when this played. So every time he walked out, especially in California, to California Love, the place got rocking. And... I also, I'm going to steal your, your thunder a little bit here and talk about why I love Conor McGregor's too, is because this is a blend up of everything he is. It's like the bad boy version of him and a little bit of his Irish roots. That's why I love Conor's too. Well, you took away what I was going to say. Yeah, it's just so perfect because obviously the gimmick with Conor being notorious, being Irish, it's covered in the foggy dew and then into Biggie's Notorious. It's in the name, just like we had with Cowboy and Kid Rock. So for me, and there's something about the juxtaposition of Foggy Dew into Notorious. I don't know. It just, it gives me the hair on the back of my neck stands up whenever that mix up comes on. And I just love that walk to the Cage of Connors. I hope we see it one to two more times. But if I'm a betting man, we might only see it one more time. Who knows? So that's our list, and quickly, Gumby, why don't you just run through a couple of the honorable mentions that just missed the cut? I will say that the one that I badly wanted to put on the list, but it, it wasn't getting a lot of support on Twitter, and it's maybe not as well-known, is when Frankie Edgar walks into Biggie Smalls kicking the door, it's freaking awesome. And I think most of it is because Frankie runs in, and it, that jacks me up even more than like the slow walkout, like when somebody sprints out to the cage. 
and the fact that it's Frankie Edgar doing it makes it even better. But I, I've always loved that one too. And especially because like him and Uriah Faber have that like East Coast, West Coast thing. But his is definitely less iconic. It doesn't say New Jersey in the name. So uh, it's a little bit less important. Uh, also, we, we started this Combat Countdown idea on Twitter with uh, Michael Bisping coming out to song number two by Blur which I thought was a really good one, especially with him going into the Hall of Fame. But again, a little bit less support, and I guess probably it's a little bit less iconic than all the ones that made the list. All right. Well, if you liked the list, if you hated the list, let us know at MMA on Twitter. Let's move to our other favorite segment on the show. It's a UFC breakdown. This week is the UFC Nashville breakdown. And one might wonder, does any fine company sponsor this UFC on Nashville breakdown? Well, of course, this UFC Nashville breakdown is brought to you by Sheath Underwear. Go to sheathunderwear.com for the underwear that is changing the game when it comes to working out. Because, you know, we've all worked out in briefs before, right? Am I right, guys? You worked out in briefs. Everything feels crushed, overly sweaty, super uncomfortable. We've also, maybe some of us who are a little crazier, have worked out in boxers and things are flopping all over the place. You're in the gym doing squats. You get some unfortunate, you know, fallout. We don't want that happening either. So, now we've got something that's between. We've got the support of briefs with the freedom of boxers with sheath underwear. Because they've got an innovative front pocket that keeps your cash and prizes supported while promoting airflow so that they stay nice and cool. And when you do get sweaty, because you're going to get sweaty, you get sweaty working out. When you do get sweaty, they've got a moisture wicking system that's going to keep you fresh all day. So head on over to sheathunderwear.com. Use promo code FLOW, F-L-O, for 20% off your whole order. So for this uh, UFC Nashville breakdown, I'm going to start with the main event. I like Wonderboy Thompson over Anthony Pettis. My only problem with picking Wonderboy here is Wonderboy is betting off at negative 445 right now to Anthony Pettis at plus 350. And and while I get that Anthony Pettis is coming up one, maybe two weight glasses, if you still count him somewhat as a featherweight, I still sort of like him here at this value at plus 350 because he's never really struggled with all that many kickboxers. And and that's really what this is going to turn into is a kickboxing match. He struggled with the grappler. So I think there's some value there on Anthony Pettis. But that being said, gun to my head, even money, I'm taking uh, Waterboy Thompson. In the co-main event, I'm taking Curtis Razor Blades over uh, Big Pretty Willis. And that's just because, you know, I like Blades' wrestling here. I, I think Big Pretty with the, the practice with DC and all the other wrestlers over at AKA, I think that'll be helpful for him. But I, I think Blades is just a little bit too strong for him in that that case. So then and in the third fight that I'm interested in, I'm going to take the underdog, although the number one contender, Juicier Formiga. I'm going to take him over Davidson Figueredo. I like Formiga here because I don't think Figueredo has fought a wrestler quite like Formiga. And Formiga tends to put some pretty good stuff together. People forget this is a guy who lost a split decision to Henry Cejudo. So, to recap, I'm taking Stephen Wonderboy Thompson over Anthony Pettis, although very close. I'm taking Curtis Razorblades over Justin Willis. And I'm taking Juicier Formiga over Davidson Figueredo. We, of course, want to thank everybody for tuning in this week. We really appreciate the fan support. We also appreciate our sponsors. ADK Fightwear, Maroon Social, Sisu Mouthguards, and Sheath Underwear. We want to thank the Mothership Flow Combat for having us on each and every week. And we want to remind you to follow their Twitter as well as our Twitter at Top Turtle MMA. And before we let you go for this week, once again, we've got one more interview for you. We got Steven Ocho Peterson from Fortis MMA. We want you to enjoy this as we say goodbye. We'll catch you next week.
This is Daniel Gumby Vreeland with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com and today I have the pleasure of speaking to Steven Peterson who fights Luis Pena at UFC Nashville this weekend on ESPN+. Steven, uh, you know, you're fighting out of Fortis MMA, which is a team of absolutely killers in the up-and-coming department. Uh, so far by this year, by my account, Fortis MMA is 5-1 in the UFC, obviously doing awesome things outside of the UFC, too. With all that success on your team, is there any additional pressure on you to get it done this weekend? Um, I wouldn't say uh, pressure. Uh, there's there's always, you know, uh, pressure to, to get the job done, but... Uh, as far as my team goes, that's just motivation. Um, we're all we're all grinding together, and uh, our success is is you know nothing new. We're, it's what we expect, and uh, yeah, pressure makes diamonds. So if you want to call it pressure, I call it motivation. Awesome. So, and I know too, you said you're all training together, but I know you also teach kickboxing at Fortis MMA too. Uh, how, how does it feel balancing that? Are are you training kickboxing for? Um, you know, like other people training, or is it mostly fighters? What What is the uh, the class you teach? Um, it's more of a intermediate kickboxing class. So basically, just focusing on basics and getting these guys from uh, the point where they're learning how to throw the punches and kicks to where they're actually sparring, and uh, just that intermediate level. And I feel like it, it's great for me because I always get to go back to the basics and focus on the basics and. The basis is what works, you know. Uh, you know, all the flashy stuff's cool, but you know, the jab is is the most underutilized punch in MMA, and that's like, you know, the the best thing to work on. So, gotta just go back to basics, and uh, yeah, it keeps me keeps me humble, and it keeps me uh, always working on my basics. Well, that's certainly cool to hear too, because I know I've heard people say that they struggle with juggling it once in a while. Um, just out of curiosity, too, are you training like amateur fighters, or are you training people, uh, you know, just sort of learning kickboxing for for a hobby or learning kickboxing for their their own personal gain? All of the above. Um, the amateur fighters, we take them to the smokers. Uh, smokers is like a uh, mm-hmm. in gym uh, fight or a glorified sparring match. So uh, I take some of the guys out to the smokers and uh, help them get ready to where they're actually confident to uh, actually be able to compete. So, uh, but we also have people that come in just to do it for fitness and do it for fun. So uh, really just all of the above. Awesome. And, and like you said, too, that, that jab is a, a punch that is super underutilized in the MMA world. Now, you are going to be dealing with a guy who has got some insane reach. Luis Pena, the dude is six foot three, which for your weight class is pretty ridiculous. Do you have sort of any, any striking that you're preparing specifically for fighting him, or are you just sticking to what you usually do that works? Um, well, without going into my game plan mm-hmm. too much, uh, Obviously he's he's gonna have a reach advantage, so I gotta get inside of that reach. I can't can't just hang out and dance around all night. You know, I gotta go in and take the fight to him and that's exactly what I plan on doing. Mm-hmm. So obviously too, he's cutting down to one forty five for the first time in the UFC. Do you have any thoughts on that? Because again, six foot three at, at one forty five is, is kind of an awkward figure. Yeah, I I believe he'll be the tallest featherweight um in the division. Um if he makes weight, but, uh, yeah, I, uh, I'm sorry. I lost the question. Oh, that's all right. I, I just asked your, your thoughts on sort of his awkward frame and whether or not that would pose. Challenges. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, f- I feel like it, it's going to be really hard for him to make weight. And when he does make weight, he's going to be extremely drained. Uh, I, I don't see the, the reach being too much of a, a you know, puzzle. I, I feel like when I go in there and I start banging, uh, people are going to forget about the reach advantage that he has. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I wanted to ask you a question, too, because I'm a big fan of fight nicknames. You know, there are 700 hitmans out there. There are 150 <laughs> bulldogs. But you are the only one I've ever heard with the nickname Ocho. Where does the nickname uh, Ocho come for Steven Peterson? So uh, I originally grew up in Los Angeles, uh, moved to McKinney, Texas, my sophomore year of high school, um, joined the football team. And when I joined the football team, I wore the number eight. Uh, some of the older um, – you know, varsity kids started uh, picking on me, calling me Ocho um, as kind of a taunt. And I ended up getting a fight um, on the football field the first week of school. Nobody knew who I was. I was this kid from L.A. So I got a reputation for being this kid from L.A. that, that liked the fight. And uh, everybody knew me as Ocho from then on. So that's kind of fitting, too, that the nickname comes from fighting right like like you were right exactly so were you yeah, and, and then when i started fighting mma they they asked me what's your nickname and uh you know at the time i really hated it i hated being called ocho because it was a taunt but now i kind of just embrace it you know and now people are are chant, chanting ocho as i fight so it's really cool how it came full circle yeah and it sort of shows that that feisty side of you too that that uh gritty side that that your fights sometimes take too because oh yeah definitely Awesome. So I love that. Now, uh, I'm going to ask you one more question, too, about Fortis MMA before I let you go. Uh, I've talked to, you know, a bunch of fighters from your gym. I talked to Macy a, a couple weeks ago. I talked to Jeff Neal before that. And I, I talked to your coach, Saif Saud, too. All three of them have been on the show. I'm usually interested to hear takes on Saif because, uh, you know, obviously he's blowing up in the coaching world. Everybody's heard his name. But we don't really know all that much about him. What's one thing the fans should know about him that maybe they don't already know? He's a genuinely good person. He he really cares about us as uh, as fighters, and that's why he's so hard on us. Um, when when we're on the mats, when we're you know in our rounds, uh, he's he's you know dark, and uh, he he says things that that you know help us go into our 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 uh, you know special place in our head. But uh, the only reason he puts us through so much is because he genuinely wants us to succeed. Nice. I like that. Well, we're hoping you succeed this weekend. Once again, Steven Peterson fights Luis Pena at UFC Nashville, and that's on ESPN+. Plus. Steven, thank you so much for the time. We really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me on, Dan.